Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission, in our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, Congregation may be seated. A grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So when my older kids, Garrett and Abby, were little, hundred years ago, four and seven-ish, their Uncle Kevin liked to tease them, and they didn't always know when Uncle Kevin was serious. He was kind of a crazy guy. And so the two of them, one afternoon, were sitting on the couch together watching TV cartoons, and in walks Uncle Kevin, and he stands in front of the TV and he says, I've got one knuckle sandwich I've got to give out. Which one of you is it going to be? And Garrett is obviously thinking, okay, this time he's serious. And being the dutiful older brother, he says, I, I guess I should take it. I'm like so proud of him in this moment. And I look over at the two of them and say, you know, Uncle Kevin's joking. And I see Abby doing this. <laughs> it was a huge moment of clarity on who these two kids were and what it was going to be like raising them. It was a moment of clarity on who they were, and fundamentally, that has held true. That's what the Epiphany season is all about. It is one moment of clarity after another for people who encounter Jesus and realize who he is and what it's going to look like to follow him. And it all started on Friday with Three Kings Day. Anybody have their king's cake? Nobody? I think we should start the king's cake tradition here. The official end of the 12 days of Christmas was that day. And that's the, the day that the Magi encountered Jesus, and they're so transformed by this experience that they leave this encounter with him by way of another road, away from Herod, away from death, away from sin, toward life and hope and service, toward a new story. And today it is John the Baptist's turn to be epiphed. He learns today who Jesus is, and more importantly, he learns what baptism is all about. And the neat thing about all these weeks in Epiphany that we're going to have is that every time one of these people learns, we learn too. So there's lessons here for us today, and I want to focus on three of them. Three things I think that John learns from this encounter with Jesus. First, 
John learns that this is an entrance rite. God's entrance rite. Now, he already knows that baptism is an entrance rite because he's the one who's been doing all the baptizing up to now. But he thinks that this is a baptism, this is an entrance rite that we are making, that we are entering into God's story. And everything he has said up to this moment affirms that because he has been going around telling people, you need to choose repentance, you need to get yourself right, you need to get into the waters. Everything he's been saying up to this point is about your choices and your decision to enter into God's salvation. And what he learns here in this baptism is that this isn't an entrance right for us. It is an entrance right for God. God is choosing. Look at what verse 16 says here. Suddenly the heavens were opened to Jesus and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him. God is ripping open the heavens and entering into our story, entering into our reality, not the other way around. Everything that happens in baptism is God's choice. And that means we cannot throw off this promise that he makes to us. Our futures are secure the moment we are baptized. It's like the Apostle, Apostle Paul says in Romans, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now that is a pretty radical shift in thinking on baptism. It means that the only choice to be made here is by God, and God does not back down from that choice. Now, I'm concerned that what you might be hearing is that once we are baptized, we can do whatever we want, and God promises to hold our future secure anyway. And I have good reason to think that about all of you, because you're naughtier people than I thought. Just last week, I posted on Facebook that my New Year's resolution is to stop cussing. I put this on Facebook so that I could get an accountability group to help me hold to this resolution. And what I ended up getting was a mass confessional from you people about your own cussing issues. This place is basically filled with a bunch of depraved, swearing pirates. One person, and I'm not pointing any fingers, wanted to start a group called Faithful Foul Mouths with t-shirts. You got problems. So no, I am not saying that baptism means you can do whatever you want. But baptism does carry that risk. Baptism is that radical. That's John's second lesson today. God takes a risk in baptism. When God chooses to enter our story, he risks watching us make a mess of that story. I talked with a father last year who was worried about the choices his daughter was making, both in her personal life and in her faith. 
And he said to me, well, what if she ends up going to hell? And I told him, listen, she might end up going to prison, but heaven is still going to be hers. She is a baptized child of God, and God's promises are irrevocable. So he, said, so he says, well, so then she just gets to do whatever she wants. And I said, yes. As far as her soul is concerned, she does get to do whatever she wants. And that is hard for us to hear. It is an awful, annoying, and beautiful truth of this baptism. God runs the risk of letting unworthy lives filled with unworthy moments into his kingdom. And as much as that troubles us, it should also fill us with hope. Because our lives, at least I know my life, has been filled with all kinds of unworthy moments where I have failed to honor the promise that God makes to me in my baptism by responding with faithful living. And even John the Baptist gets it wrong. Did you notice that in the gospel reading right off the start? He argues with Jesus about who should be doing the baptizing. He wants to do things his way. Even the greatest prophet of all time has these unworthy moments. And that is why we need a baptism so radical and so powerful that it is strong enough to overcome our unworthy moments, even if it risks a life gone completely off the rails, getting the same access to God's love and mercy that we do. God takes a risk. God takes that risk because he has confidence in Jesus. That's the third lesson that John learns today. I misspelled it. Don, you're going to have to fix that for the second service. God trusts Jesus with our lives. He trusts Jesus with our lives. God will risk entering our stories because he trusts that Jesus is going to be at work in our lives from the very moment the water touches us to the very moment we close our eyes. And he, he says it. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. That is God the Father saying to everyone, I trust my son to make you worthy. I trust him to make you worthy of my promise. I trust him to walk with you and to teach you how to love each other. I trust him to guide you back to the path when you have veered off of it. I trust him to go to the cross to cover the distance of everyone who has lived up to this moment with unworthiness. And in the absence of Jesus here and now, God trusts the body of Christ to do that work. That's you and me. God trusts this body of Christ to continue the work of keeping each other on the rails of a faithful life, to be the hands and feet of Jesus walking beside each other. Now that's why Jesus' baptism and our baptism is this public event. God makes a huge promise at the font, but then we all make smaller ones. And I'm sure you, you know them, you just don't know them by heart, but you promise to to love and support 
this person being baptized. You promise to be present in this risky life that they're going to have where they're going to struggle to be worthy of God's mercy. And we do that, we promise publicly, because each of us will have moments where we refuse to let God author our story. Where we'll insist on doing it our way. Now, what does that look like? I have the most simple story of how we help each other stay on the rails. So, when we have Holy Communion, we have communion assistants, right? And you all know this. You see them come forward, and they line up here, and first I, I start off by communing them, right? And then I hand them the trays and the wafers, and, and we all start serving you. And then afterwards, when we're cleaning up back here, one of those communion assistants always makes sure to commune me last. And then I go about putting the tabernacle, this little pretty little tent up here. I put that all back together. And a few weeks ago, uh, we were, me and the communion assistants, we were cleaning everything up after communion, and I started to worry about the length of worship. And if you know me even just a little bit, you know this is something I obsess about. I mean, we're going to go over today. I'm sorry. I obsess about it, and I try to manage in the middle of worship the situation to no avail, but I try. So when one of the communion assistants offered me communion, I whispered, no thanks. I'm just going to get this over with. <laughs> and so another communion assistant, and I won't say who she is because she's someone you don't mess with, she hears me push her off the body of Christ. And she goes, no. Come here. And she takes the wafer and she takes the little chalice and she says, Candace, this is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. And I just started weeping. I didn't know how bad I needed it. Her insistence was my salvation in that moment. She was making sure that Jesus got to direct my story. And listen, I think she was taking a pretty big risk here. I am the pastor. <laughs> you should not boss me. Yes, we can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. That is true. But that's why we have the body of Christ. That's why we have each other to help us push past our unworthy moments, to help us stay on the rails. That's why we come to this place, to remind each other that God has chosen us in our baptism, and that choice, though risky for God, means salvation and life and hope for us. So trust the work that God has begun in you this year. But more importantly, trust that the people here and in your life need you to risk entering into their story, to insist that they taste and see and hear and feel the love of God and Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to do it. Thanks be to God for this gift of baptism. Amen.
most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor. And you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. Thank you.